Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. And joining me today is someone who you may have heard on the podcast feed this week, Anthony Irwin. Anthony, how is it going? (laughs) A lot is what I'm saying. People who are listening to this podcast feed have heard a lot of me. And I think they're going to be hearing more of it, right? Like this is this is kind of a big first kind of episode. Yes. So uh, we have some, you know, news here. Jazz King, the lovely Jazz King, uh, who hosted the 30 on this network, has taken on a new role producing podcasts for Liberty Ballers, our Philadelphia 76ers community. So make sure to catch his work there because he's awesome at this audio thing. So for the time being, you know, until something better shows up, Anthony will be co-hosting this show with me. <laughs> until Avery learns how to talk. <laughs> we believe in nepotism here at Silver Screen and Roll. And uh, as soon as Avery can talk, she's taking the spot. Sorry. You know, uh, Harrison has hired like a really nice set of contributors at Silver Screen and Roll over the past <laughs> week. Maybe I should just ask one of them if they want to try out their <laughs> podcasting skills. <laughs> for the love of God, save me from this guy. Honestly, for the love of God, save all of our podcast listeners from one more show of me. Yeah, at it's least good. this episode is not produced by Anthony Irwin Inc. or Anthony Irwin LLC. <laughs> LLC. Yeah, it's LL- it's Anthony Irwin Productions LLC. It's an LLC I actually own. Okay. Uh, it was a stupid purchase right before I was no longer a, a contract worker. <laughs> giant <laughs> wasted expense. Way to go. Well, I mean, Speaking now that we know expenses. all of Anthony Irwin's business expenses out the window, wasted expenses. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the, the Lakers are not really in the business of wasted expenses is what we've learned <laughs> over the past two days. Um, at least that's the way they're spinning things because big news of today, you know, uh, the Lakers got their eight free agency signings done over day one and two day three has been fairly quiet. Cause you know, there's no former Lakers left on the market unless they want to give a call to Ed Davis or Kendall Marshall, Xavier Henry, Nick Young was, uh, eagerly asking for another contract <laughs> on Twitter, but Hey, um, I think we've topped out the number of 2013 to 15 Lakers that are acceptable for this squad. But yeah. Uh, the big news for today is that we learned via Ramona Shelburne, VSPN that the Lakers apparently tried to salary dump Alex Caruso and Mark Gasol on the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is notable for a couple of reasons. Um, one, the Timberwolves don't exactly have the cap space to obtain a salary dump. So clearly there were some uh, machinations of that deal left out. But I think the most important <laughs> thing out of that is that the Lakers thought that Alex Caruso and Marcus Gasol were worth salary dumping. Now, to me, uh, the fact that Gasol was on that you know, offer is not at all surprising. Um, right. Not in the least bit surprising. The way the Lakers have treated Marcus Gasol since he arrived in Los Angeles uh, after giving up assets to get him on the roster has been strange. Let's say, um, <laughs> unkind like perhaps the bus but... family is the hat for Hatfields and, and the Gasol family is the McCoys. Like... <laughs> yeah, for all of you who've forgotten about how, you know, Pow was unceremoniously shown the door in 2014. It's not been much better for Mark, uh, who was, signed over by Andre Drummond. And then uh, basically just every public indication has been that the Lakers don't really want him on the roster anymore, but here he is probably going to be the starting center. Uh, he 
kind of begrudgingly admitted that he was going to be coming back for his next year with his contract with the Lakers. Like, since when does a guy have to say like, yeah, I'm planning on playing out my contract, but that's the situation we're in with Mark. Um, we'll get to Cruz in a second, Anthony, but just what, what were your thoughts on this news from a Gasol perspective? Remember back at the end of the Steve Nash era where he put together that documentary about him trying to come back. I believe it was for Grantland back before that it became right. the ringer. And uh and in it he like he also begrudgingly said like yes, I'm 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 not going to retire. I would like these 10 million dollars. Thank you very much. Uh, it, it kind of felt like that with Gasol where it was like yeah, I I stand to make a couple extra million at the end of my career. This is the last chance I'm going to have at making this kind of money. Why would I not do this? And uh, mm-hmm. that said, like one of my kind of uh, very, very far-fetched theories heading into the season is that I think Marcus Saul is going to get squeezed out of the rotation. And eventually, you know, we saw the impact that that had on him last year when Andre mm-hmm. Drummond showed up and he immediately was, was uh, saw DNP CDs. Uh, we saw that he didn't like that, especially for a player who uh, was struggling in Drummond to to find his footing with the Lakers rotation. And given what we saw from uh, Gasol and LeBron and Gasol with with the team whenever he was out there, it wasn't always great, but it looked at times much better than Drummond. And that was largely going unnoticed, it, it felt like, and especially to uh, Mark. And he said he considered asking for a buyout, asking for a trade, um, but in, in the end, decided to stick around. And I, I think we might get some similar stuff like that this year where uh, Dwight, I would imagine, is probably going to be the the opening night starter mm-hmm. alongside Anthony Davis would be my guess. And then if there is room for Mark to be kind of an extra creator for the second unit when, uh, you know, when it's Russ out there and you need a little extra space, then I think that might be a, how it plays out. But I don't really know where the minutes are going to come from, especially if Anthony Davis is going to play more five, like it's get It's going to get tight really quickly there. So um, yeah, I think with, with Mark, he's had a great career. I really enjoyed the stuff that we saw from him last year, uh, but he is at the very end of this. And, and as we saw with the Lakers and Powell, if you're at the very end of your tenure and you're a Gasol uh, doors right there, man, just don't let it hit you as it swings on the backside. Yeah, you and I differ there. I am of the belief that Marcus Gasol is going to be the opening night starter. I think uh, we have learned from the Dwight Howard experience that he is better in small doses, and that is mm-hmm. much easier to accomplish off the bench. I also think that it kind of makes sense to have a pick-and-roll partner with Russ at all times, and that's not exactly Marcus Gasol's game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'd, I'd rather that pick-and-roll partner be Anthony Davis uh, and just have Gasol as his facer, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't think Dwight Howard is a starting center for a championship team material at this point of his career. So but we'll see how that works out. But we'll put but a bet on is, it. At some, at some point, yeah. we'll put like a, a sticky note bet on this, it, it, who okay. we think is going to be the, who we think is going to start opening. That up. sounds good. Um, and I, I mean, I think that there's plenty of room in the rotation for all three of them. Like this was a similar setup to what the Lakers had in 2019-20, where um, JaVale McGee got his starter minutes and mm-hmm. didn't really close any games. I could see Marcus all doing that very easily. You've got Dwight Howard coming in for his shift. And then Anthony Davis plays about 40 minutes, 40% of his minutes at the five anyway, because when you actually need that's you know, best. <laughs> to win games, that's where Anthony Davis plays. Yeah. Uh, so I, I see something similar 
transpiring this this time around too. But yeah, just just not a good look for the Lakers regarding Marcus All. I'm not happy about it because you know you and I talked about this a year ago where it just seemed like Gasol was such a perfect fit with what the Lakers were trying to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> even on the court, it's not even seemed like that starting lineup of, you know, a backcourt that is no longer with the Lakers or maybe Schroeder will come back. Who knows? But uh, that starting lineup of Schroeder, KCP, LeBron, AD, and Marcus all was beautiful. Like that mm-hmm. was a very well executing unit. Um, it's, it's dead. It no longer exists. So there's no reason <laughs> to talk about it anymore, but I think, uh, yeah. The point that I'm trying to make here is that Marcus all proved that he could be functional next to the Lakers stars. And I mean, what more could you want out of a guy? Like, I think that's a good argument to be, you know, wanting to stick around. The one reason why I do think that there is a chance Gasol could be on his way out more likely this year than last is because the Lakers are not hard capped this year. So they could just eat his money and get another mm-hmm. guy with that roster spot, which was a much more tricky proposition a year ago when they had to perform all of these cap gymnastics to just stay under the hard cap, which is why, you know, they were unable to agree to terms with the long departed Damian Jones. Right. So uh, I think they'll be a little bit more cavalier about like cutting players this season because of that flexibility. Yeah. I I'm, when I say that Mark isn't going to be starting, I don't think it's purely from a basketball standpoint. Like I just, oh, no, I don't, of course I don't, not. Like, cause I agree with everything that you're saying. Mark does make more sense. He is a limited usage guy. He provides a little bit more spacing that you need when Anthony Davis is out there at the four. Uh, and, and yeah, for all of the basketball reasons, I, I, I would like to see Mark start. I wanted to see Mark play more over the course of the season. We just, for whatever reason, didn't get to, and uh, never really got any clarity as to why, you know, we, we, we heard, Later, after the fact, and then throughout the, uh, Drummond's tenure, that there were promises made about what role he would play and how many minutes and all that. So that makes it a little bit more tricky for 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 Vogel. And so maybe with fewer of those promises, it does open things up a little bit more for Gasol to get more minutes. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, we saw it. I guess I'm just operating off of what we saw last year and applying it forward to a player who is now a year older next year. You know, so right. so we'll see. I hope you're right. I, I, I it's one of those bets I hope to lose, so I'm not going to bet very much on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know Dwight is just an entirely different situation from Drummond because uh, he has a history of having been a backup with the Lakers, and he is older, much older than Andre Drummond. Doesn't exactly bring in the same pedigree that Andre did a year ago, for better or worse. So. I feel good about Mark starting. I don't feel good about him closing games. I don't feel good about him playing the kind of minutes that we would like him to play. Mm-hmm. But on this roster, him not playing minutes probably means Davis is going to be playing more at the center. So I'm okay with yeah. that. I really don't too. think Dwight can handle playing more than 18 minutes. Like he would legitimately just foul out every game. So <laughs> yeah, I think the center rotation is going to be a less of a source of stress for me this year than it was a year ago. And this was like, even at the start of the season with just Wondrous Harrell. So um, I feel <laughs> yeah. good about it. You know, uh, I, I don't feel good about the fact, obviously, that the Lakers don't like Mark, you know, just the, the emotional <laughs> tension that has to be hanging around in this locker room is not good. Um, yeah. And I feel like a lot of the guys that Mark probably bonded with a year ago are no longer on the team. And it's probably, I mean, I know that because nobody from last year is on the team anymore. So are you telling me Marcus all wouldn't get along with real hoop? real hoopers twitter like are you is that like are you telling me 
that Marcus Hall is is not super close with Banksy? You know, I, I think it's time for us to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about the second half of this potential salary dump. All right, we're back. Uh, <laughs> Anthony, you and I were talking about the uh, potential salary dump that the Lakers engaged with with Marcus Gasol and Alex Caruso. We talked about the Marcus Gasol part of it. Uh, the Alex Caruso part is uh, not as surprising. I guess that's not neither part is surprising. I would say uh, the Lakers have made it clear over the past week or so that they did not value Alex Caruso the same way that you and I did. And I think one of the more surprising things to emerge, you know, from this opening of free agency is that, you know, Alex Caruso is a cult favorite, right? Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. we turned him into something and then everybody realized how good he was, right? Yeah. Like no one was batting an eye when Alex Caruso was starting game six of the NBA finals. Like legitimately Mm -hmm. it wasn't, Oh my God, what is Frank doing? It was like, Oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and then they dominated. And then they dominated, right. Um, we've seen over the course of four seasons in Los Angeles, I guess three with LeBron, no player in LeBron James's NBA history has had a better plus minus with LeBron than Alex Caruso. Not a single one. We're talking Dwayne Wade, Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving, um, I don't know, Mo Williams, like Anthony Davis. Nobody in his career has done a better job of amplifying LeBron James than Alex Caruso. Now that's just like a nerdy number statistic, uh, but I think it's fairly clear that you watch the Lakers play and when Caruso's on the floor, good things happen because what Caruso is good at is playing off of an advantage created by another player. And you know who creates a lot of those advantages? LeBron James. (laughs) So I mentioned this earlier about Marcus Gasol, how he made a convincing case to stay by the fact that he played well next to the team stars. Alex Cruz also did the same thing. Apparently not a good enough case. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't really yeah. have a question here, Anthony, but I just kind of wanted your thoughts on like, where the Lakers could have arrived at this valuation of Alex Cruz. I mean, it, so this is this has been like ever since the Russell Westbrook trade, I've basically come to grips with the fact that like I value things differently than the Lakers do. It is purely talent driven from the Lakers from and and from the Lakers. When I mean when I say from the Lakers, it's Rob, it's LeBron, it's Anthony Davis. Like we can't we can't separate those three guys from from each other in any of the decisions that are made here. And so that's what that's what I find interesting is that LeBron somebody who literally benefits from Alex Caruso being on the roster uh, is also a part of the discussion in which the conclusion is, yeah, this guy can go. We can either dump him to Minnesota or this guy could walk for nothing. And, and that's what I find so fascinating here. And, and again, maybe LeBron doesn't care about net ratings and, and stuff like that. You know, he's, he's a, he's a, computer whiz a basketball computer whiz in and of himself and maybe that's just the the, that arithmetic is not something that he cares particularly about i don't know i've never spoken to the guy i've never sir i've never heard him comment on net rating or the lebron stat or anything like that you know i have heard him say plus minus before that's like the it feels like the extent of of analytics that most nba players are willing to go to Mm-hmm. And usually if they mention plus minus, it's because they're mocking it. True. <laughs> you know? I don't think that was the context for LeBron, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree with your general point. 
but so so like I, I just think you know they value things differently uh, than than we do. And and look also if you look back over the course of Alex Alex Caruso's tenure with the Lakers, this is fairly consistent to be honest. Like the the, the more I sat here and I thought about losing Caruso for nothing. And then on top of that, the report that he went to the Lakers and said he was willing to play for one fewer year on the contract if that's what they wanted. Um, and they still said no. They saw him as a $7 million player, and he was fetching upwards of 9 or $10 million. And, and, but like if you look back, so Alex Caruso was a, a G League player, which I think back then even was still the D League when, like, they were still the defenders. I think when when Alex Caruso came oh, over, he was from, on the Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he comes over from OKC, and then we see him play a little bit, especially in summer, we're like, huh, this guy's interesting. This guy seems like fun. And back then, like you're saying, it was cult hero stuff. It was this guy's fun. Summer League champs. Yeah, oh, man, I love that team. And he was like, and he was this balding white dude who was dunking on everybody it was like it was it was a a, a jackass skit honestly where they would mm-hmm. just i could totally have seen him touring ymcas across the country and just wrecking dudes uh but so anyway so we saw that and we thought huh that's that's kind of interesting and then he gets a two-way contract and i remember wondering it a lot over the course of that season because they had like tyler ennis hey why isn't alex caruso getting more run here what like what's What's holding him back? It can't be Tyler Ennis's play. He's not blowing anybody back. And so uh, it was like Ennis's last season, and then it became Rajon Rondo. And Rondo, especially in the regular season, was not somebody who I thought should just outright have uh, unlimited range to screw things up in the regular season. I wanted to see more Alex Caruso then. And, and it took like kicking and screaming, getting to that point where finally in that game six, he finally starts. And again, they dominate, you know, and, and like, I, I kind of said this jokingly to, to Harrison when, uh, when we were just kind of talking about when this report came out and, and Jacob wrote it up, I was kind of joking with Harrison. I said, what are the chances Rob Polinka and LeBron are just really sick of being told about how good Alex Caruso is? Like, what are the, like, why they, they, they were, they wanted Rajon Rondo to get more minutes. They didn't probably want to hear much about how Raj, uh, Alex Caruso's net rating is, is more impressive than, than Rajon Rondo's. Maybe they just got sick of hearing about it. And, and Caruso isn't a Polinka guy. He was, he was in play before Polinka really took over and he's not really anybody's guy. So that's kind of how things work in the NBA where, where, Job security is also a factor here. I'm not saying that Rob Polinka ever has to worry about his job because I don't think Jeannie Buss is ever going to let him go. Like that's never going to happen. But if you're Rob Polinka and you're always kind of thinking about that and he isn't necessarily your guy, you want to go out and find your version of Alex Caruso. And so they draft Mac McClung, 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 not McClunk, but <laughs> McClung. Well, we'll get back to some early in a second because I do have some Mac McClung thoughts, but just regarding Caruso, I, I don't want to like overstate this. You, you have made the case that Caruso should be starting before, and I've never quite gotten that far. I do think that some of his limitations as ball handler, um, his, he's not really the guy who you want playmaking. Like that's not his primary role. And I understand a point guard in LeBron James offense doesn't have to do that, but he does have some deficiencies, right? Like he's not respected as a shooter, even if he's shooting 40%, that's just not going to happen. He does have a tendency to get into a little bit of foul trouble. So the minutes are sometimes an issue. 
Like I, I get why you don't think of Caruso as a starter, but when you're trying to win a championship, you need like one to 10 who can perform mm-hmm. for you. Like, I don't really think you need more than a 10 man rotation in the playoffs, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so we're not just looking for players who can contribute as starters. We're looking for players who can contribute in that entire second unit off the bench. And I am hard pressed to think of a player who fills a role on the Lakers as a bench player better than Alex Caruso, mm-hmm. but just in, in the entire league, I, I can't really think of anyone who does what they need as secondary ball handler, just tremendous point of attack defender, help defender, always raising the level of energy on the team. Like the, the chase down blocks on James Harden in the playoffs. Like, yeah, I, I, again, I'm hard pressed to think of someone who does that better. And it wasn't a matter of like the Lakers couldn't sign Alex Caruso and do everything else they did in free agency. They could have done all of it. They could Mm -hmm. have said, Hey, we want all of these guys, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk. We want all these guys. So that means we can't have Alex Caruso. That's not the case. Like they could have done it all. They chose not to. They decided that he was only worth like 7 million per year, which is offensive when Talon Horton Tucker got more than that. And granted THT is younger, but if we're trying to win a championship in the LeBron James timeline, I think it's very clear that Alex Caruso is better suited for that role now than Talon Horton Tucker is. Yeah. Um, Like I could have understood a point when Caruso sees Westbrook coming in and he thinks, okay, well, I'm not going to start at the one. I'm not going to start at the two because they're going to need a guy who's more of a sniper next to him. Westbrook plays a ton of minutes. LeBron is going to be the ball handler. Like maybe I don't like my role here. That's not what happened. He clearly came to the Lakers and said, I want to be here. I will take a discount off of what I believe my true potential is. And the Lakers were like, nah, nah, (laughs) (laughs) good luck, bud. (laughs) Right. So like, like you said, he's not a LeBron guy. I mean, he's not a Polinka guy or whatever, but I mean, LeBron 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 nicknamed him the goat. He called him that like in public, it wasn't something he did privately. He made it well known that this was a thing that he was calling Alex. Uh, You know, he, the, the Lakers talk so much about their scouting department and like, you know, the, the fines that they've had. And it's, it's fine when you like turn those into other things, like they can claim success for Alonzo Ball and Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram because it brought them Anthony Davis. They can claim success for Kyle Kuzma because it brought them Russell Westbrook. This is the Julius Randall situation all over again, where you get nothing out of it. You put all of your effort into this player and you get nothing out of it. And you're hurting yourself in the process because let's be clear. If they just decided to sign Caruso to a $10 million a year deal, that is a tradable contract. It's not like yes. you're stuck with that for the next three years. If you decide like, hey, you know, we, we probably don't really want Alex around. We like what Malik Monk's giving us. We like what the other guys are doing. Um, someone will take that off of you and you could leverage that into assets. Yeah. Like it yes. is just bad management not to retain an asset. And I don't like talking about players as assets, but this is a business. Their, their contracts have value. Like they let something of value go for nothing. And as much as I didn't have to exactly like I disagree with the concept outright. Like I don't think they should have let out Spruce go, but even if you don't believe that he is a part of your title contending team, just to have a guy who makes $10 million on your team, supremely valuable. Like if the Lakers are trying to upgrade their roster during the regular season, they cannot do that by trading any of their minimum guys. They cannot Mm -hmm. trade LeBron, Anthony Davis, or Westbrook. So how is that happening? We're in the same situation that they were in 2019, 20, 
when the only thing they could trade was Danny Green and they decided that it wasn't worth it because where the hell is your shooting going to come from without Danny Green? <laughs> right, right. Well, that's also like on on top of everything and 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 this is this is where we basically land in terms of like why this happens. And this was always funny to me over the course of the last couple of days because like you had strong thoughts about it on Twitter. I obviously did. I'm incapable of anything but strong thoughts on stuff. Harrison wrote a column calling out the Lakers for screwing up the Alex Caruso situation. Mm -hmm. Jacob wrote a really good article on it uh, in in kind of summarizing uh, this latest report that he wanted to come back and was willing to take fewer years. And then and then on top of that, like you have you know a variety of very smart Darius was out there being very loud about like this is a mistake not just from a, 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 a talent evaluation standpoint, but like you're talking about an asset management standpoint, like there are a lot of really smart people here um, and me who are, who are out there being really loud about like, what the hell is going on here? And, and it's been really interesting. It's really rare that like Twitter is that United Lakers, Twitter is that United on, on, on something. And it's like, at some point, we all can't be wrong. And, and, and like you're saying it is, it is an asset that they could have flipped in December for a player that maybe they want to fit better, you know, and that, and that kind of gets us to the other underwriting reason why this happened was they didn't want to pay up, you know, like uh, Bobby Marks tweeted out the luxury tax penalties as of right now, so Golden State has an under $185 million tax penalty heading into next season. Shouts to those guys, honestly. Yeah. Brooklyn has a $122 million tax penalty. Shouts to those guys. Clippers, $54 million. Uh, and that's when if they sign uh, Kawhi Leonard, we bring him back. Awesome. The Lakers, $36 million. So you're telling me that the Lakers cap penalty is almost a fourth of Brooklyn's? you know, almost a, a, a fifth or a sixth of, of Golden States. And Jeannie Buss is going to sit there and tell us that they're committed to winning, you know, and they were concerned that that $36 million would turn into something closer to 60 or 70. I just don't. And then, and then lastly, like, why does anybody care? Why is Bobby Marks <laughs> tweeting those numbers out in the first place? Like, what are we doing? If, if, all right, if Bobby Marks is going to tweet out tax penalty payments, how about we tweet out, Revenues that are actually generated here, merch revenues, cable TV revenues, uh, ticket sales, all of those things that we know, by the way, the Lakers are going to kill it with this year. They're going to have LeBron James is going to have a brand new jersey. That's a big chunk of change that's going to be landing in their in their pockets. Also in LeBron's, but also the Lakers. Uh, Russell Westbrook jersey. Town hero. Yeah, they're going to be wearing a number zero. Like that jersey is going to be everywhere at Coachella. I'm guaranteeing it. You know. And, and that's something that the Lakers are going to benefit from. Their t cable deal is going to pay them $150 million this year by itself. Like we talk about luxury tax payments. If that, that's half of the, 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 the cable TV deal, you know? And it's like at the end of the day also, and this is how I felt back when, when the, the criticism was being levied against the Dodgers for just like buying championships or buying trips to the World Series. I don't care. <laughs> I wanted to see the Dodgers win a world series. They have like a super team put together out there where they just got Max Scherzer. They just got Trey Turner and I'm thrilled. That's what teams should do. If you have a chance at a world series, you owe it to your fans to commit like that. 
And, and I'm sorry, like, I don't, this probably is, is, is really sucks to hear if you're Jeannie Buss, but Dr. Buss would be rolling in his grave, man. Like this is, this is, this is not the kind of thing he would do. If he thought the Lakers could win a championship, he would pay up, you know, the, the time that they lost Trevor Ariza for, for Ron Artest, they lost Trevor Ariza because they were bringing in Ron Artest, not because they just didn't want to re-sign Trevor Ariza. Like that's not how that worked out. And there was a time that Derek Fisher got away to free agency because Utah or no, it was uh, Golden State initially overpaid him. Mm-hmm. And that they looked back on that and said that was a mistake and tried to fix it as soon as they possibly could with some somewhat shady stuff by Derek Fisher sure. and retiring and stuff. And so, like, I, I don't know. I just I look at this and Jeannie Buss goes on first take and says that she's willing to pay what it takes to, to put a contender out there. And that's just false. That's just not the case here. And any fan out there who is like stumping for the fact that these luxury tax payments were going to be incredible, one, they're doing it wrong because like it's not like there's a column in the tax penalty or like binder. It's like <laughs> Alex Caruso would cost $40 million. No, the Russell it's Westbrook the combination trade. of everything to <laughs> that point. Exactly. It's the entire roster. It's not just Alex Caruso. So one, they're doing that argument wrong. And then two, why do we care? Genie Bus is worth $500 million. No, she's not worth as much as uh, Cy, the, the Cy owner or Lakeup or yeah, yeah. Steve Ballmer. She's, she's not that kind of wealthy, but you know what helps you get that kind of wealthy? Paying up to win championships. Like that's how that's how business works. You have to pay up to to build something. Like, you know, Vox made a a, a really cool. A commitment to building up the the silver screen and roll podcast feed when they when they committed to me and then opened up the budget to help help make that possible that's what you do like <laughs> it's just business 101 and and yes like that doesn't mean that you go out and you spend you know hundreds of million dollars in luxury tax payments on like jared dudley <laughs> but you do it with somebody who helps you win like <laughs> what, what are we doing if you're not trying to do that yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Brooklyn earlier and how their tax bill is about four times what the Lakers currently is. And like, I think they could use Alex Caruso in a series against Brooklyn. I feel like we've seen Alex Caruso play yes. well against James Harden before. Like that is a proof of concept that the Lakers already have. It, it's just, it's so clear to me all the time that like investment, you have to put in money to make money, right? And so like mm-hmm. if you're investing in your roster, that will help pay dividends down the road. And the fact that the Lakers just missed out on that, like, like people sign contracts all the time that you know the second they sign them oh that guy's getting traded in four months when like you know the december 15th you know exception expires like that's fine Mm -hmm. alex crusoe could have been that guy right like i i understand that i am not on the same page as the rest of the lakers brass in terms of their opinion on alex crusoe's fit whatever i can't get past just like the mismanagement of their in their refusal to spend and their yeah just letting this asset walk away for nothing. And it's not like it's a bad contract. (laughs) And it looks like they're willing to do that also with Dennis Schroeder, by the way, like there's all this talk that maybe he'll be folded into the Washington trade in order to get Spencer Dinwiddie there or something like that. But this is where I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it because Dennis Schroeder is a piece of work and it clearly was a problem (laughs) in Los Angeles. Dennis Schroeder did not start in the NBA finals for a team that won a championship. But yeah, I, I'm with you that I think that the Lakers are really should just sign Schroeder to a cheap deal. Like, at the moment because it is just correct or helping to sign and trade like helping yeah. to sign and trade like that helps exactly. you you get something back even if it isn't taking full money back on dennis Schroeder. 
it gets you something that might help you win. Like might exactly. And it, you just it need might those directly... minimum value contract, like those medium value contracts, I should say yeah. to help. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and it's like, cause I'm right there with you with Dennis Schroeder. Like it really, it really, I was really put off when Schroeder shows up from a fringe playoff team and demands to start on a team coming off of a championship. Like I was like, huh, that's an interesting way to introduce yourself to the team and to the fan base. Yeah. And then you go from that to like him flaunting uh, the vaccination and, and eventually catching it. Like that wasn't a great send off to, to uh, the Lakers. And so not, like, not I, get, I get, I yeah. get why <laughs> I get why people aren't in on Dennis, but he still could be something that you could use to help improve your roster, you know, and there are holes like, I'm sorry, Laker fans. Trevor Reese is fairly washed. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been 12 years sure since the he was a Laker. Actually, have a backup point guard. I know Kendrick Nunn has kind yeah. of played that role for Miami. Tht is being groomed into like a playmaking kind of thing. Schroeder's a point guard, and like as yeah. a backup point guard, you could do a lot worse than Dennis Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers have done a lot worse than Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> They've done a lot history. better. They've had Alex Caruso the last few, yeah. few years. <laughs> so I mean, Dennis Schroeder has capably proven that he can be Russell Westbrook's backup too. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I just, I, I have a lot of questions about how the Lakers are approaching this just from a management perspective, like forget the talent evaluation part of it. Just the, the cap management doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it's very frustrating for a team that has all of these intrinsic advantages of living in Los Angeles, you know, printing money, that cable TV deal that you just talked about. It's frustrating that they're not using those to their fullest extent. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the Clippers would never. So it's, <laughs> it's just frustrating. Um, yeah. I do want to end on just like a kind of positive note. Um, the Lakers played their first summer league game yesterday, uh, reporting on Wednesday. Mac McClung, as you mentioned, uh, coming to fill the Caruso-sized void in our hearts. <laughs> Did you watch any of the game yesterday? Did you have any thoughts? <laughs> I watched a little bit of it. I, 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 I gotta, I gotta be honest. Uh, the entire free agency thing has, has made me a little sour on, mm-hmm. on watching Lakers basketball right now, but I watched some of it and he does some kind of Caruso ish things. I thought one of the better tweets out there was from uh, master red snapper who mm-hmm. said like Mac McClung being introduced to, to, to replace Alex Caruso. And he's the crappy captain America. Like, oh. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that I thought that was fantastic, but no, he does he does some some fun stuff. He see, I he has uh, Vogel might like him because he has a little more swag, I think, than Caruso does. No one is more swag than Alex Caruso. <laughs> maybe Rondo. Sorry, maybe Rondo. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, but yeah, did you did you? I, I know I know Lakers draft Twitter was was thrilled with how like uh, Joe Ajayi uh, looked and all that stuff. So what, what did you see from it? Um, I liked Ayayi quite a bit. Um, Reeves was fun. Uh, but yeah, the McClung thing, like you just immediately feel it. Uh, he, he scraps, he's got a lot of, a lot of hops, um, Mm. and just sort of like getting in the middle of every play. Like I, I get why there was this immediate comp between the two. I don't know if you've watched his highlight video yet. It's damn good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really in like the the mold where I watch like these guys, high school mixtapes and things like that. But I had a lot of fun watching Mac McClung's tape. Um, <laughs> and then Devonta Kaycock, like he's been on the Lakers for what seems like an eternity. And I feel like yeah. I've never gotten to see him play. So I just enjoy that the fact that like this guy gets to play basketball again, and they're clearly trying to turn him into this like pick and pop weapon because he's too like small to actually be center. Um, yeah. But 
hey, you know, uh, I've always liked the guy and, you know, he's he's been on the Lakers all this time and like never gotten to do anything. So let's actually let him play basketball. It's a good thing. Um, the Lakers are back at it again tonight. I think they play the Kings in the, the California Classic. My just... I, I can't get over it. Why, why the Miami Heat are on the California Classic? But whatever, it, it is what it is. Pat Riley's like, wait, we can get them to practice and work out more? Done. Yeah, we'll done. send them across the country. <laughs> they, are go- they are going to Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, the Lakers have, what, two, three roster spots left. Do you have any favorites for who you want to fill those spots at the moment? Um, I think I think the, the clubhouse favorites right now were Wes and Dudley, and I actually don't think they fill out the roster. I think they, they okay. stay at 14 uh, just in case there is a buyout. There are quite a few kind of veterans who are at the end of their deals and stuff like that. So I do think the Lakers are going to wait on that. I, I don't know why they would do that to be completely honest, because like you can always waive somebody you could take on a project and then waive that player. If you, if you have to, if the right player becomes available, but uh, if, (laughs) if they're unwilling to take any kind of tax payments on Alex Caruso, I'm sure they aren't really thrilled about paying up on like justice Winslow or something like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Wes Matthews is going to happen. I feel like if he were to come mm. back, it would have already been announced. Um, yeah. But then again, no other team has taken a flyer on him. So, and he, he seems like the type of solid veteran that like just gets off the market immediately, like the Garrett Temple, you know, type. So maybe the fact that no one else has touched him means that he is coming back to the Lakers. But he was another guy who his role was very wishy washy throughout the season. So I'm not sure if the Lakers love him or not. Uh, it would be nice to have three players back from last year's team. What a concept, but mm-hmm. is that we're at three right now, right? It's well, just LeBron I, AD and THT. If I'm remembering right now, as it stands right now, I do think Dudley is going to be back. So there's four. Oh, okay. And then, and then like Dwight Dennis. was only there like a year ago. So I, I I'm kind of counting him. My, my hope would be that one of the spots goes to Schroeder just because of, like you said, the asset management play. Um, and then, you know, just throw on like Kaycock for the 15th guy, put him on a non-guarantee. And then if something better comes around, you can wave him like no hard feelings because uh, then again, maybe he's better off just playing in South Bay and like actually playing. Who knows? Does he want money? Does he want to play basketball? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could decide for, for myself, which, which of those I would take. Wait, I don't have to exercise and I just get money. This is great. So I got to look better than Jared Dudley on the bench. <laughs> Yeah. Can we just right. wear black jerseys always? They're <laughs> slimming. <laughs> What's funny is Dudley never plays when they're wearing black jerseys. Never. <laughs> it's only a... in the whites. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to be kind of annoyed. It's probably a running joke. Like yeah. He puts on the black jerseys like, nope, not taking these warmers off today. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they right. get like gray uniforms light gray uniforms and he's gonna look like a pe teacher (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna be livid yeah i i just don't see the point of using a roster spot on dudley anymore um but hey i he's a polinka guy right so Mm -hmm. what do i know someone's got to get the wine that has been our show uh thank you for listening to i love basketball make sure you're subscribed to the silver screen roll podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll be back tomorrow to talk more Lakers. Yeah, 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 yeah.